episode 15 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Today's topic, portals and the laws of portals. The unknown laws. Are there any? Do they exist? And how do you interact, let alone go in one? We'll be talking to Miranda Gurky about such things. And, well, I call her Alyssa, but... The way you say it is Ira Wolfnosen. So, we'll get back to that in a second. But first, thank you to our sponsor, Feral by Erin at Etsy.com. She's going gangbusters on Etsy. Merchandise is coming and going the way it should. So I have all you to thank and anybody else who's helping out with the sales at Feral by Erin, E-R-Y-N, Shaman-inspired drums, rattles, and smudge sticks. Go to Etsy. You Betsy. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, next, not only a portal discussion. We'll go down all the other rabbit holes as usual. But this is a good one. It's a long one. So I hope you're on a road trip. We'll be right back. I'm lucky enough to host an event where I meet actual experiencers. In fact, this sphere of influence around the strange brow radio world and my personal world with friends, family, you get to meet some incredible people with incredible stories. And these are two of those people, Miranda Gerke and Ira Wolfnosen. Now I call Ira Alyssa as a term of endearment. But uh, throughout the interview, you you may hear me change back and forth. I will tell you that Ira has an incredible background of looking into the ancient mystery schools, studying shamanism, geomancing, family history, and she is a wealth of knowledge. A lot of it, what I would call street knowledge. Um, this is uh, this is what you want, not so much the books and the degrees and the pedigrees, but when that street knowledge is there, especially about things like magic, portals, this is a this is who you want on your team. And Miranda Gerke is a local out of the Cottage Grove area. She's what I would call a strange brow regular. And so that dedicated voice in the front row, always sitting, listening patiently, uh, had to be approached. And so... She conference called in along with us here, so you'll have uh, two guests and myself. So a long-form interview with Miranda Gerke and Ira Wolfnosen regarding all things portal, etc., etc. Alyssa, um, Miranda is a regular at Strange Brow, her and your mother both show up at the in the front row, usually <laughs> right uh, right up close to the stage there. So, um, Miranda, do you have any questions at all for one of our previous speakers? Or did you want to tell us a story of your own? Or um, what do you want to talk about, if anything? Um, I, I came in to listen, but I could definitely, I do have stories if you want to hear them. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, your voice has really been one I wanted to hear. Uh, we've only really corresponded very shortly uh, as I'm I'm tearing down and building the set there. So um, what brought you 
into this crazy world of the supernatural and what what stories do you have well i've had some experiences with um ghosts like we said in um the first meeting they went to mm -hmm. mom had brought up briefly about the ghosts that haunted our um shop the business my parents owned and um i've now, had a, is that the uh is that the factory yeah, it was uh, a collision shop, but it used to be um, a car dealership. And we believe that there's just um, kind of like a an essence there where the workers, they think they're still working. And so you hear them like walking around. And like I used to go down there in the evenings because that's when like uh, the internet started when I was way back. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was our only computer was at the shop. So I go sit there on the computer on AOL <laughs> and um, I could hear them walking around in the shop and opening and closing doors and going mm -hmm. up the stairs and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> Was it, so do you feel like that's a residual energy? Like a, they, they basically have no idea that they're dead. I do. I really do. I think they're just going through the motions and mm -hmm. it's more, not even so much of a haunting, just like an energy that's left over in the building. That's kind of the feeling I got from it. Like they don't even really realize that they're there. They're just... Yeah. Alyssa, what, what do you make of this residual energy phenomena where ghosts or spirits, do you feel like they do know that they're dead and yet uh, there's a part of them that still lives on? Or is that, are we looking at a trapped soul? What's your opinion of that? I think it's always many things that it can be. Um, it can be a tape memory like that, an energetic tape memory, and um, that's very possible. Certain places will hold that energy more than other places. We've talked about that before with, um, you know, Earth's power places, uh, mm -hmm. electromagnetic areas, or or places like that. And then also, um, sometimes they are uh, conscious and autonomous, and they are. Um, disembodied, deceased people, they may not perceive you at all. And then at other times, they will perceive you. So there is that whole question of the membrane and the veil that separates our realms. Mm -hmm. In my humble opinion, I, I know, let's just say I'm never going to be speaking from a scientific perspective unless it's by accident. I, I only speak from a spiritual <laughs> Right. Um, Newtonian science. I mean, I do talk about science. Um, and I love science. I couldn't understand the mysteries without science, I'll say that. But sometimes uh, disembodied spirits will be um, trapped in a, in a type of repeating activity. That was their last moment. That's where they were most comfortable and they'll stay there in that same routine. And so um, that's what we call psychopomping is when we make contact through that, that veil that sometimes is there. And um, we go in and, and we tell them gently um, that you're no longer living and that there's a better place for you. And almost 100% of these mm -hmm. spirits will say, oh, my God, great. I, I kind of felt, you know, strange or I didn't mm -hmm. know why I'm even here. They know something's not right. And then you can branch out into the whole idea of uh, spirits that attach to you or attach to your pets or attach to an object. Mm -hmm. and then psychopomp them as well sometimes you have to really negotiate 
and then sometimes you have to use a little bit of trickery. Maybe I'll throw this question out or this theory to Miranda and you as well. Am I going to say it right, Ira? Ira. Ira. I have, do I have to roll my tongue? Almost everyone knows me as Alyssa. I mean, I'm, I'm I know, but I want to get used to it because I, I used to go by Toby on Facebook, but I just dropped the Y, so mine's much easier. There's no R rolling, no B rolling. But Ira, <laughs> I'll throw this question out. Um, one of the things that Aaron and I uh, were thinking of as far as ghosts were concerned is sometimes this idea of there being a time slip and they don't possibly know that this, they think that you're the ghost. For some reason, these two, these two worlds combine and nobody's died at all. That's something think of that possibility. Yes, absolutely. That is one of the options. Um, one thing that, that I've learned over studying all the mysteries in so many different disciplines and concepts and ways and cultures is there's always more than one thing. So we often polarize that all ghosts do this, all UFOs are this, mm -hmm. all are this. And it's not like that at all. There are always so many options, just as there are in nature. You know, just there are just many different things going on that you can choose from or that it can be. But what about, what about these rules, these fundamental rules? There seems to be laws, principles that things have to abide by. So these options seem to be finite. There are limits because of these laws that are in place here. So the law of the law of time travel, is it a law that can be broken? Um, well, you'd have to talk to a Newtonian scientist about that. I, mm -hmm. I I don't know, uh, but I do know that in the spiritual realm, yes, time is, is not, it's not, I mean, it exists, but it's not something, um, it's something that you can move on. Mm -hmm. Like there are fingers in your life. Um, if you look at your life and your life is moving in this straight line and suddenly you come to a point where you make a choice and you go off on the many different fingers of your life, it's still your life, but in one life, maybe you're not, um, married to Aaron, or in another life, maybe you have three other kids, or an, another life, but you still live in the same house in the same town. It, it's also similar, but there are variations to it. Mm. So, time as we know it is unfolding, and I do think that we can re redirect ourselves onto different fingers of it. And I think that's what you see when you um, enter into this whole thing with people talking about the secret and manifesting. Okay. In, my hermetic and alchemical studies, um, manifesting some, a, a change in your life may be as simple as, you know, science has yet to say this, but it may be something as simple as jumping a timeline that's, that's so similar that the only thing off of it might be one hair on your head, but you go into a different timeline where you have that success that you're, mm -hmm. that you're trying to manifest and visualize. Miranda, is there any um, indication that these ghosts um, need to be transferred over? Do you think that would be something you would ever do? Would you ever try to help them pass through? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of got the feeling they didn't even really were aware that I was there. I think they're just kind of stuck in their own realm. They didn't seem to be, I didn't get a feeling of unhappiness from them at all. Mm -hmm. And it may very well be the memory, the energetic yeah. finger, so to speak, that's left there. We kind of went off on another track. 
Right, right. Did you have you done any research on individuals that, that this may be names, uh, prior occupants, Miranda? No, I never did um, research it at all. Mm -hmm. I, I have no idea. We just we assumed that they were the workers from the car dealership. We're not even sure that that could you know. Were they wearing a lot of polyester and? Uh, <laughs> a gold tooth hanging out. <laughs> do they open and close doors? Do they do they seem to do things in response to you ever or have never? Like no, nothing never. ever been left for you randomly or something was moved that belonged to you? I didn't notice anything moved. Um it was just more of like I just could hear them around the building. And I would hear like a door out in the Bay Area because I'd be sitting in the office. So I could hear out in the Bay Area, like a door open and shut, and I'd go out there to check it out, and there'd be nothing there. And I could hear footsteps walking around the attic, and so I'd go check out the attic, and there'd be nobody up there. Just kind of that sort yeah, of thing. It, it could be a time slip. I had a time slip experience. Um, I, I'm, I'm saying this like I know. We never know, do we? Uh, but... I was um, in a sacred site. It was like very rocky and a lot of megaliths, very few trees. So it was very open and I could see. And I was photographing um, an archeological site that had burials. And so I was very comfortable there. Um, I always felt very loved there. I was completely alone. My dogs were there. And I turned around, I was holding a camera and a cell phone and I turned around and about 10 feet away from me was um, a, a Native American man, Native man, I shouldn't say American, so hung up on that. A Native man, and from the past, you know, very, very much from the past in the way he was dressed and the way his hair was, I could still see an earring that he was wearing and his hairstyle. And he looked at me and I looked at him and both of our eyes widened as if we both saw each other. We, we both were stunned and as very, macho strong men of the past he just turned very casually so as not to show any fear and he just slowly walked away from me and as he walked away from me he walked down into the ground as if the hill was a different a different slope at the time he lived oh wow in his world Wow. And I thought to myself, what, you know, did I, did he just see me in the future and I just saw him in the past and what right. mythology is going to come out of that? Here I am like Star Trek lady with a camera and a phone and, you know, mm. weird clothes and completely different skin and hair color. And, um, who knows what, what he was thinking I was, <laughs> but, um, it, he seemed to walk down the landscape as if it were completely changed. So when you say you hear doors closing or people mm -hmm. going in rooms, maybe those things aren't even there anymore. It may have been a building that existed before the building. Mm. Was built. Yeah. Yeah. How far is this from um, the ax and fiddle where we meet? Uh, just a few blocks. Um, <laughs> it's uh, what's the name? You know where Connects is? Yeah. It's right next door to Connects. It's that building that they're remodeling there. Oh, the one that's been under remodel for a while? Like the yeah. two-story one that's kind of modern looking now? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. So your folks used to own that building or do they still own it? Um, they rented the building, but they oh, gotcha. owned a collision business in there. Okay. Yeah. And wow. so they fixed yeah. the cars and stuff. 
you know, behind that building there, and Alyssa will appreciate this story, um, Aaron, I, uh, Tommy, and Christine Naff, uh, friends of ours from, uh, from Washington, had stayed behind that building you're speaking of at the Best Western. Mm-hmm. And um, Christine had somebody show up uh, near her bedside, and she, it was a man uh, wearing a... Um, kind of like a, a bowler bowling shirt, like from the 1950s, uh, maybe picture like Charlie Sheen and two and a half men, that style of 50 <laughs> short shirt, you know, like swinger type, slick back hair. <laughs> and um, so we, we went down to the hotel manager and asked the hotel manager whether or not she knew about any ghost in this best Western. And she paused and she took a beat and she said, well, I'll tell you what, if you brought, I mean, if there's something in the hotel, she said this very carefully. She goes, if there's, if there's a ghost in the hotel, it might've been something that um, you brought along with you or another guest brought along with them. And she's real <laughs> carefully how she worded that. And I, it took me a minute to get what she was doing, but she was responding to perpetual complaints, I guess, about this particular <laughs> man and uh, the house cleaner who was filling up um like the 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 bread rack for the morning breakfast there uh chased us down the hallway and she goes i seen that guy and he in fact we caught him on camera and um he stands over by the vending machine and walks into uh where the pool is Hmm. and she says you know we caught him on camera staring at the vending machine and I can't remember if she said this part, but she said something about the matter of fact that he was putting his hand in or through or on top of the vending machine as though he was trying to figure out what he was seeing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he or maybe life. he was coming in and out of the vending machine. One of the two. But um, she went on to say, and this gets into a little bit about what you're talking about, Alyssa, about um, how she was, she was heading at home. Ira, sorry. As she was heading home. <laughs> Uh, I like to say it because I make I feel like Antonio Banderas when I say it. Yeah. I don't know how to do this when I do it though. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's for public, but you know, it's pretty intimate here and on Facebook, everyone. Knows. <laughs> so um, she was saying on her way home after her uh, night shift was ending or swing shift, it was late at night and she was uh, walking out of the parking lot and she saw uh, a a translucent cow walk in front of her Mm -hmm. and it was just as plain as day you know it was just on its little path and um so they did research on it and you remember the barn behind the shop that was called dr pierce's it was like um you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so um they they dubbed the ghost the Dr. Pierce ghost because that was their last ranch owner, you know, that had that whole swath of land before that overpass went in. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever smell um, septic smell, I know there's a septic station over there, but it could very well be a translucent cow breaking wind. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I had an experience um, kind of like that uh, at General Vallejo's farm in uh, Sonoma County and it's a tiny little gingerbread house that back in the day during General Vallejo's time that would have been a big mansion I don't know if you've ever noticed this but 
most of that period of homes and beds, people were shorter. So everything yeah. is very, yeah, well, very dollhousey. To we, we look like giants. Even the vintage clothing was yeah. shorter. Like if you go to a vintage clothing store, everybody was about six inches shorter everywhere. Yes, and the armor that the Castellano, you know, the Conquistadores wore is like child size. I couldn't even fit into it. I, I'm a giant compared to these people, these men. So I, there's an upstairs and a downstairs and you go through a tour and they kind of take you through this side entrance, which takes you upstairs to the bedrooms. And I walked into the, the master bedroom, which is like the size of a matchbox. And it had a baby crib in it. And when I walked in, I'm always, I, I slip into altered states so easily. And of course, I was thinking about the past and I just went into one of those involuntary altered states or something. But the baby um, crib exploded with this like flash of light. And I went, oh my God, Ted, did you see that? The, my friend that I was with, I said, did you see that? And he goes, no, I didn't see anything. So we turned to look down the stairs and I saw two women with hair down to the backs of their knees in these old fashioned dresses. And I thought they were period costumes. And I said, wow, look at that, those women's beautiful hair. And he, yeah, that, yeah, it must be reenactment actors. Mm -hmm. We went downstairs and there were no reenactment actors anywhere. They, they had never had any. And we saw the portraits of the daughters that lived there. And it was the women that, we had seen. Oh my wow. gosh. Yeah. And it just happened so randomly. I mean, it wasn't like I was in the mode where I, I'm going to do work or something, you know, spiritual work or look into the other realms or go back in time. I mean, I know I'm wacky. Like I do that every day. It's like another mm -hmm. day at the office for me. But during that time I was on a date. I wasn't, you know, right. I wasn't focused on that. <laughs> I was trying hard not to be an <laughs> altered state, right? <laughs> I, I was being normal. <laughs> yeah, I've had, I've had quite a few weird ghost experiences. One of the houses I moved into um, in Siskiyou County, the first night I moved into it, my dogs and I entered. There was no furniture in it. Usually I, when I move to a new house, it takes about two weeks and I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor and it's kind of eerie. I walked into the house and I walked down the hallway and the bathroom and the bedroom are doors that face each other at the end of the hall and the bedroom door opened and I was like, oh crap. And then the bathroom door opened. So now I'm thinking air conditioning, heating, window open, do, 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 do. Check all those things off. None of those things are happening. And to get the bedroom door to even open, it had to go over carpet. So you had to physically, you know, give it a good, Mm -hmm. push to get it to open so there was no doubt in my mind and for the two years that I lived there I would hear people going up and down the stairs or a person going up and down the stairs my cupboards would open and close dishes would move around and it just became just another friend in the house and the house was located right on the edge of the sacred site and there was a huge cairn right under the front deck that they had sort of manipulated to build the house to put the front deck out there and it looked just like the burial camp cairns that i was measuring and studying you we know one of, one of the things that you and i talked about too ira is the rh negative factor here and i i haven't asked anybody that's shown up at these meetings what their blood type is but miranda are you rh negative 
No. <laughs> no. Do you know what I'm getting at when I ask? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's more of a rarity. It's more of a rarity, but one of the things too is that there's oh. this maybe psychic link or su definitely a supernatural link um, or an anti-Newtonian link uh, to things like abductions or psychic experiences or uh, the paranormal in general. Uh, in particular, maybe abductions or UFO sightings. But it, do you know if anybody in your family is? Because you kind of, you have a little bit of auburn hair. Is that your natural red? No, I'm, no. I'm naturally like a dirty blonde. But yeah, um, I don't know if anybody having that blood type in my family. But mm -hmm. I do know that um, my family's always had like a, a natural ability to kind of feel mm -hmm. things around them. And um, I mean, I've had my own UFO sightings. Mm -hmm. My um, first apartment was also haunted and just um, some random things have like happened like that in my life. And so that's kind of why I joined the Strange Bros because I just wanted to learn more about it. Yeah. Well, what, what has shocked you most as far as all the speakers that we had? Um, you know, we got this fantastic <laughs> award um the golden flute award out of all the speakers i didn't see who you voted for but you don't have to tell us miranda but um what kind of things were you shocked by or what have you learned since we're now a year into this well um ufos and aliens have always been kind of my thing just because mm -hmm. i guess i'm the most frightful of them so i want to learn the most about them kind of and okay. so the Montauk speaker really had my attention. Christopher Garitano, okay. Yeah. The way he was like um, really no nonsense. He didn't want to speculate about nothing. I really <laughs> liked that he was very straightforward. Yeah. Um, and I think he had a lot of interesting things to say. Yeah. Who was that, Toby? Who, well, who was the speaker? So, yeah, Christopher Garitano is a filmmaker out of, you, do you know his work? I, I kind of do, not real well. Okay. So we had him for an hour or so, and he spoke a little bit about the Montauk Chronicles, which was the precursor to, you know, um, Netflix's Stranger Things, which is kind of, they kind of ripped him off and took his idea and ran with a big budget and put a bunch okay. of oh, money God. into it. Oh, um, but yeah, no, a really interesting interview. In fact, um, I, I would love to have him back because there's so much more that uh he he wanted to talk about um but so everyone vote for christopher <laughs> <laughs> then i don't know <laughs> yeah i think i think right now lisa's husband uh is in the front running race but you know we have about 400 members on the facebook group and only about 10 people have voted so <laughs> i'll put this back on youtube if you haven't voted yet you can still go on the Facebook. You can go on the Strange Brow page. I think it's at the top of the Facebook page perpetually, and you can vote for all of the speakers. Um, I think that there's two different speakers, including um, Ira. I didn't put you down. No, no, um, I don't want to be. I don't, I don't want to be. I'll come back anytime, anyway. Yeah. So, the, yeah. But if you want to vote for them, you can. You get this. Fantastic golden flute. It's a uh, 14 uh, carat plastic, and this is a base that I found at Goodwill. And so it's it's the real deal here. Only the best. And then I would invite the winner to come back in 2019 and be a part of um, end of the year panel. 
and that's the way we would just kind of build up the conversation as we go through. But um, what about do you, do you ladies have any um, guest ideas, people that I should maybe look into booking that would fit into this environment? Because, you know, one of the challenges here is to talk about something that's a, uh, age appropriate a little bit because uh, there is no age requirement for walking in on this. So it's not as though we can talk about Loesch. Um, and it's not as though we can talk about, you know, so, oh, you're saying we can't talk about that. Well, we can't, we not at that, but see when I do a podcast, which is kind of what we're doing right now is practicing for that, getting us geared up for it. Uh, those are things that I would, I do want to talk more about. I want to talk about, um, exorcisms. I want to talk more about, uh, you know, politically incorrect stuff. Um, about uh, two spirits being um, a part of the process instead of, uh, you know, transgender uh, people I think are interesting, but there's also the idea of Native Americans talking about two spirits and there being a generational family member trying to come out. Um, these are things that, you know, I haven't heard anybody really discuss. So I do want to go to places that aren't exactly comfortable for people to to get into because it's my pirate ship and damn it i'll talk about whatever i want but i just i just can't do it at a family restaurant so right. any, anything that's kind of pg-13 um we can get into but yeah if you guys have any suggestions anybody that's listening to this or if you ladies if anything is jumping off of the page i don't <laughs> <laughs> all right Miranda what about you would you ever grab the microphone and uh, you and your mom talk a little bit about your encounters it sounds like uh, you and your mom is your mom would I'm just guessing here do you and your mom have psychic ability uh, a little bit like yeah. we can kind of gauge the feeling in a room and, yeah um, I like the energy when we walk in and yeah is that like, your mom in the background? Yeah, like mom just said, we're more empaths. You're empaths. Have they, okay, let me ask you this. Have you had any feelings while you're inside the axe and fiddle that have been feelings that maybe I should know about, about the place itself or about, um, I don't know, anything? Um, mom says she has. I just okay. kind of get that feeling that um, there's a lot of, been a lot of energy in and out of the building whenever I go in I don't really feel anything in there just that there's mm -hmm. you know a lot of history I guess you could say um, yeah. mom says that she has seen something go in and out the upper door at the Kalapuya bookstore oh well you know there's somebody that lives up there okay yeah literally I'm right not sure I what she saw <laughs> the bookstore the bookstore she owner it was really really it was really fast Okay. Whatever it was, but I don't. Know. I don't yeah, I I'll have to I'll have to check in on that. Does she feel like there's a spirit up there? Yes. She thought so. Cause it was just really fast, and she said it uh, didn't really look like a person. Just like something kind of flashed by. Mm -hmm. Sometimes nope. those can be thought forms too. You know, like um, when you're angry at someone and you really obsess with it, you can create. A thought form that has consciousness and is autonomous for a time. If you're a super powerful, you know, one of those ancient magicians, black magicians, or I think Tulpa, I think Aaron was gave me the term Tulpa. 
um, but these thought forms can actually become conscious and they, they hang around until they lose their force behind them. The yeah, to tulpa is just a fancy word for thought form. I think so. I'm not, okay. I'm not positive, but I think Erin and I had a conversation about it recently and she brought up. Well, that sounds more shadow. Yeah, what, um, did she, what did your mom say? She said what she saw was more of a shadow. Okay. Yeah, I see those all the time, actually. They like yeah. to come around my uh, Wi-Fi router. I think they're um, consuming the energy, consuming <laughs> the electromagnetic frequencies. Uh, well, that explains why my Wi-Fi goes out all the time. <laughs> Maybe it explains why we get really tired sometimes, too, if it's not another person mm -hmm. sucking our energy, our life force out of mm -hmm. us. Um, it can be spirits too. Hmm. Don't allow anyone with a science background to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. I get hammered from all sides, and I'm an empath too. Yeah, I really feel it, and and I may not even know that it's happening, but I I always, you know, start having these little visions right before I go to bed of really um, archetypal mean angry beings coming at me and then the next day there'll be something written on the internet or some somebody will call me and say yeah this person's really you know obsessing oh, with you. you mean personal attack stuff and you have a premonition it's actually i'm seeing the energy coming at me and i think my mind is translating it into a face and form a visual right uh, that's how i read the the part that part of the forbidden language it's well, we uh, we had mentioned, um, let's see here, we've been on for about 45 minutes. I will take a sponsor break. I spoke a little bit about her earlier, but since I have one of um, her customers online here, Ira, we'll talk a little bit about Feral by Erin at Etsy.com. That's E-R-Y-N. She's our solo sponsor here. She's um, an amazing, talented, self trained artisan that makes shamanic or not shamanic but spirit tools of drums rattles smudge sticks and um, you bought a couple of her pieces more than a couple maybe this would be a good time for you to talk yeah, about no, her work to, i would love to talk about erin erin is my dearest sister um i commissioned a lot of things from erin some of them i've just bought and some of them i've asked her to build and she has a very um intuitive She's not just a good craftsman, she's an intuitive creationist. When she makes drums uh, for you, she goes through many symbolic rituals in her, in her mind as she creates them. So when you get them, they're very clean. It's not that her energy's on them at all, they're all very clean. But she'll choose like the hide that is maybe your uh, familiar, your um, protector spirit or your archetypal spirit that you relate to. Like, um, I go through stages where I have, I have like 22 different spirits I work with, but Erin knew when I was going through a big cat phase. And so she would put big cat fur on my uh, stick or on my drum or on a rattle for me. Um, she knows one of the spirit archetypes that I work with is wolf, wolf, not sun, uh, my name Adishiwaya means running wolf. So she would put wolf hide and, and use wolf symbolism. And this last drum she made for me, she put the serpent on it because she also knows that I study earth energy 
especially the eight years in severed hand. And so she incorporates all these symbols into your pieces and subconsciously these things do affect you. It's magic. That, that is what magic is. And so she works a kind of unique magic. She has a lot of care and everything is such great quality. That's, so then, an, that's a big part of it is that these are, these are items that um, she's not only put a lot of time and effort finding and, and one of um, yeah, but her, her way of putting things together, like you said, has this um, really unique beauty to it. I love this phrase, intuitive creationist. That's a good way to describe it. Yes, yes. And all of my drums, when I receive them, I imbue them with a spirit into them. And one of the drums that Aaron created for me um, is so special. It plays at 432 hertz, which is the song of the earth, the song of the universe. That tone is so healing and so transformative. And that's really rare. And she could never recreate it intentionally again, but her intent to make this beautiful drum did create it because yeah. I have it, you know, there it is. And I took it up to do a healing on um, Bob recently. I can say his name because I asked permission to talk about that. But I took him to a cave and he went into the cave. And as I was using that drum at 432 hertz, it holds the tone. What you When you use drums to do healings or go into an altered state, which is how you do the manifestation, um, it's the hum in between the beats. So you might hear a drum beating, but in between you'll hear that do, 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 that hum in between. And that hum is, is where the magic is. And so this drum was humming and beating. And somehow above that, you start to hear a woman's voice humming, a higher hum over it. It was amazing. And Bob was wrapped with pain in his lower body and his joints. And um, instantly after that work, after that toning in that cave, mm -hmm. and there was like powder, powder coming off the roof of the cave. I, I, at one point I started thinking in the back of my mind, which was still in control, oh God, I hope, this, I hope the mountain doesn't fall down on us. The cave doesn't collapse. But he left that day and went home and he was completely pain free and it never returned. So magic happens. It exists. You know, it's a mind over matter universe. And, and you know, science, you can't reproduce it. I can't say, yeah. oh, I'm going to do that to every single person that I work with. It's always random. The secrets protect themselves. Mm -hmm. So you can't reproduce there's a ghost in my house, come over and, and look at it. Or there's a UFO that always comes to my house, come and look at it. Of course, it never shows up, right? People say, oh, you're just crazy. But right. they, secrets protect themselves. They're random for a reason. It's a private experience for you, a question that you subconsciously ask for insight into, or um, it is something to make you think, to go find that next gate that takes you on a path of study because we're all here to study and learn. Well, there you have it, folks. Feral by Erin at Etsy.com. I can't get a uh, think of a better a way to, to promote her. Get a drum and do the thing. Yeah. And if you well, want to see her stuff rattle. and well, no, go ahead. You, you one of the rattles. Go that's grab something. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's uh, E R Y N. It's her Etsy shop. Um, everything is uh on her shop is available, but there will be stuff on March 1st and 2nd up near the Quinault Resort and Casino, 
for the Paranormal Summit in Ocean Shores, Washington. And she will have pieces there on display. I think that will be her next show in March. Okay, here's one of the drums that she did with all the bones and bells and feathers. And it's a, yeah, it, yeah, that's your latest one, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't imbued it yet, but that's Elkine. And then she did this really neat rattle. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> you notice that I work with a spirit that has a horn that looks exactly like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, that's a huge drum, by the way, too. It's much bigger than the one I have on my wall. That's got to be over, is that over 22 inches? No. Yeah. Well, um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is if anybody um, ever wanted to rent a Sasquatch, now they have a chance to do it. They can, um, they can go on the Facebook page, and they can type in uh, Biggie. I believe that's Biggie, B-I-G-G-Y is the way we decided to, to put that on there. Biggie has his own page. And Biggie is the loving name that Ron Moorhead gave. Ooh, there's another drum. Look at that one. Nice. Can you show a profile view and do that light as well? Now do the light. There you go. Yeah. And what is it? I forget what that shape is called when she does it, that shape. I don't well, know what she calls it, an octagon or a triple protection. It's a, it's a, tra <laughs> a octagon. <laughs> no, it's a trap. It's a, t it's attached to a type of tribe um, that she's interested oh, in. I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. So if you wanted to rent a Sasquatch, um, I'll work with you on, on pricing to do that or lease it out for your shop. Uh, lease it out for an event that you have. Um, there's He'll already be uh, utilized at the uh, beginning of March, the first and the second, up at the casino time frame. Um, but we will find a way to get him to you. He's um, eight foot tall and three and a half feet wide. And he comes with his own stand, hands, feet, the whole bit. And uh, we'll bring him right to whatever event that you're having and drop him off and um there may be some more creatures on the way i was just talking to aaron about um working on a creature workshop uh, as a possibility and building other little hybrid creatures on maybe a smaller scale and uh, so things to come as far as being able to rent your own creature for your next big event but i guess that's a big i mean people are doing cosplay cause everything um you know building people these strange and unusual things um is i guess something that people want but um you have to get a hold of me and let me know that that's true that's just what i've been hearing along the way people happy Toby. it brings them comfort does it yeah i think that's why there are millions and millions of people that that want to talk about these things yeah. And they want to know who else knows. I mean, it brings me great comfort. I love walking in this world. I couldn't imagine a world without spirits in it. Well, now you just mentioned something that has horns that, um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about the comfort of something that has, uh, rounded horns like that. It sounds as though you're talking about a goat man. 
Is it a goat kind of like a Baphomet type of creature? No, no actually, um, it looks more, uh, it's been with me my whole life. It looks more like a Bigfoot, but very lithe and very spelt, very tall, eight, eight feet tall. Um, it is a spiritual creature, so it's not flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful, uh, shiny black hair. More of the body of a runner and has those horns, but they're soft. They're not hard like like um, the, the nail feeling. Right. They're soft horns. They look like that, though. And it's kind of got a dogman face to it. Now, you have to remember I'm talking about archetypal, spiritual, inner world beings um, that when you're in an altered state, um, in shamanic core studies, you will call on these beings and they become a part of your work. Um, in my life, I sort of got them before I did the actual school and study. Mm -hmm. Is this one of the main? Very kind. Yeah, very, very. Of, this is one of your main yes. uh, teachers? Yeah, well, no. Um, it, it, from my understanding, they're teachers, but it's really from part us, part them. Mm -hmm. They're part of our consciousness. So right. it's, a really, it's a really uh, tangled web to explain, to have something that's part your consciousness and mm. part their own consciousness. They need us as much as we need them to manifest into our awareness. I don't know how to explain it. It's, sort of it's like saying um, you're not hallucinating. These things are real. Um, and then you say in another breath, but you're in an altered state. So the general public can't really sense the magnificence of it. They, it kind of takes something away from it when you say that. Well, has any, has anybody else seen what you've seen? Not with me, no. Uh -uh. Okay. So no one's, I mean, no one's looked behind your shoulder and said, who's the guy with the horns? No. Other people okay. have brought it up and sensed it. Mm -hmm. Said there's something around you or there's something in your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, you go, yeah. But we are all telepathic to a degree. Yeah. I'm not speaking as a scientist. I'm not. <laughs> I just know from myself that we're all telepathic to. I'm just going to have a running scroll underneath you that says, not speaking as a scientist. Yeah, I'm not, not coordinating spirituality, not speaking as a scientist. <laughs> My God, when did this happen? When did the whole happen? We could okay. learn so much more if we just shot from the hip, you know. Miranda, do you have a do you have a spirit guide? A spirit guide? I don't think so. No. No. She she was asking about um <laughs> extraterrestrial experiences, right? Earlier, yeah. She wants to know more about that. So have you had any experiences with things in the sky or yeah. Um, um and I'm about I think it was April of 2000. No, maybe it was May of 2000. I was sitting in <laughs> my backyard putting together um, invitations to my senior graduation with a few of my friends. When out of my neighbor's yard, about 20 feet away from us, there was a giant glowing orb that was probably big enough to fit like two people in it. And it just kind of rose out of the backyard and hovered there about eight feet over the fence. 
for for quite a little while and it was just so strange it was like it was glowing but yet it didn't blind you and it kept the light to itself if that makes sense yes yeah so i've seen them yeah Yeah. i knew exactly what you're talking about they're like the size of a volkswagen yeah it really at the time it really freaked me out i have to be honest i kind of was telling everybody to get in the house. <laughs> oh, that but it shot cool. straight up in the air and it zigzagged around in the sky for quite a little while, like it knew we were watching it and it was just messing with us. That's wow. And then and then it just disappeared. It shot off. It was gone. That's beautiful. That's a great. That's a great tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, I've seen that. Insane. And the same thing happened. I was living in uh, a lake around Mount Shasta. And I woke up at 5.30 in the morning. My dogs wanted to go to the bathroom. I walked outside. It was a pitch black night, beautiful stars, just like diamonds in the sky. And this one star got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it kept kept coming towards me. And it flew about 200 feet over my home. And if I were to gauge it, I would say it was about the size of a Volkswagen. It was the most beautiful light. It was otherworldly light. It was like white light, but it still had like a diamond in the sun to it color Mm -hmm. and it went over and from the side it looked exactly the same a sphere of 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 light from the front it looked the same from the back it looked the same and it flew past about 200 feet above the tree line it went over the lake reflected on the lake and then it flew towards mount shasta and went into the side of the mountain and just got smaller and blinked out wow later i was out in the archaeology site in the sacred site it was actually november 11th which is 11, 11, 11, 2011. And I, I remember the significance of that day because I was walking out and I thought, 11, 11, 11, haha. And my dog stopped and their hair went up and they alerted. And I was kind of going down a trail that had like a dirt road that was real old. And no one had driven over it in really, you know, years and years and years. And there was a rock wall that was, you know, um, Neolithic rock wall. And this, thing was going through the trees there were a couple trees and it was the size of the Volkswagen it was oval shaped but it had the skin of an elephant and it went between the trees and floated and then it became transparent following the wall up this cone-shaped hill and then it just faded away and I often wonder if those beautiful bright lights what is the energy that keeps them going if they're biological beings or living beings where do they get their energy when or do they fade or do they pass or do they die you know are they biological craft or actual living animals that no, what do you mean by it had the skin of an elephant you're saying that the it was a flat gray it was a flat crinkly gray mm-hmm. to it. it was solid my dogs were alerting to it and it traveled up this wall and just gradually faded into another realm so I wonder, I wonder if it was something that was trying to get the energy out of that site because it was a power place. It was, you know, very high in electromagnetic energies. We measured them with a high-tech tri-field and mm-hmm. coil. So we know that that, that site was um, geomanced and harnessed to increase that. Mm-hmm. And there it was, you know, all these things were happening within the site. All these things were attracted to the site. This organic white quality, because I've seen these on four different occasions from the size of, um, gosh, 
It almost looked like a 50 foot um, arc welder going off in the middle of the forest. Um, and it just exploded with this angelic burst of white light that wasn't blinding. I, I've yeah. seen that too. I've yeah. seen that coming out of the rock piles, you know, it's, they just, yes. Energy like pinks and magenta and blue mm -hmm. and green and, I remember I'd be sitting watching my TV and sitting on the couch and I had this big window and there were all these, you know, cairns and piles and burial grounds. And I'd look out and I'd see this big, you know, of energy of light happening out in the landscape. I think the earth naturally does that. I think there are sprites and elves, meaning there's light phenomena, scientific things that mm -hmm. actually in ordinary reality. But then the spirits do things too. There's the prima materia, you know, half spirit, half physical, and that alchemical je ne sais quoi that we, we can't explain. This uh, organic white quality though, it seems to be that's the predominant um, color or lack thereof color uh, that people report, at least to me, um, is the uh, white twinkly lights ranging in size from small to large, but the, uh, the self-contained it's difficult to describe the self-contained living light quality, but um, it, is, it, is. it is, it's like a bioluminescence, like you would picture maybe of a bioluminescent creature, but also with like the uh, glow stick quality of like the glow stick yeah, you would yeah, buy. It was like looking at a diamond in the sun. It was like a star. It, you didn't see any outline. It wasn't like a ball floating and glowing. It was an actual, like it was pure light. And that light was, I don't have any other word for it. It was angelic. Well, I that's remember, a, yeah. I remember looking at an actual outdoor light on a house after that happened, trying to, trying to compare that, that light that I saw. And I've never been able to capture it in ordinary stuff. No. Diamond in the sun is the only thing that came. That's it, exactly right. You know, when I, I saw the ex almost the exact same thing with a friend back in 2010 and it it was a light that burst in the forest and it stair-stepped through the tree line and when I say stair-stepped it exploded it you know within a second it did this magnificent white burst of energy that looked like a star was being born or yeah. an angel was going to appear and it must have been 100 feet in diameter at its full length when the spires exploded out yeah. And it, I kind of remember it doing it in a very quick pattern of a stage of three, where there yeah. was the ignite, there was the burst, and then there was the flare. Yeah. And the stair step through the trees, it took about 45 minutes to go from 50 feet to 30 feet to 20 feet to right. maybe 15 feet to the ground. And um, the gal I was with was unfazed. Because she she said these are these are the miracles that you will see when you start to do this yeah. walk. And yeah, I was just the more, you, the more you focus on them, the more they show up. Yeah. Why you? why you and why Miranda? You know why why do some people see them and some people don't? And I'm not even hung up on well, it wasn't a group that saw them. You know, I I understand why it comes individually. I get it. It's magnificent, but why do some people see these things and other people don't? I mean, you can go hang out with Samara Turpening and she'll be saying, oh, look, there, look, do you see that over there? It's right there. And I'm like feeling like, you know, what kind of spiritual person am I? I don't see it. <laughs> and, and, and she'll just like see this whole plethora of things. Or um, I have other good friends that are very good hearted people and they've never seen anything. 
ever. Nothing. Right. And and they're they're intelligent, kind. You know, what is it about some that we see and others don't? Are we just you know, if you want to ask a doctor, you know, are we medication worthy or something? No. <laughs> No, we're not. What, what about the idea that these things are time sensitive for, um, you know, when you're ready to absorb it? Yeah, uh, a lot, of these, a lot of these things that happen in dream states or these messages that are delivered to us seem to be time stamped. Yeah, they're personal. And I think our imperial self has some a lot to do with this, you know, the unlocking of the keys at certain times. And I also think raising your frequency, your consciousness, doing the work opens even more gates for you because the more I study, the more I practice, mm -hmm. the more I swim in these waters, the more things happen. I mean, I, I could talk for hours on things that have happened to the point where you, you know, I, I, it's just overboard. It's too much. <laughs> You're, you also had abduction experiences or visitation. I absolutely have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when I was three, you want me to tell a story really fast? I'll do a sound bite of it. I won't. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was three, I used to sit behind a chair in my living room, in my family's living room, and my mom would be doing her hair in the bedroom. And these white people that glowed, so they didn't have features of a face, but they were glowing shadow, but bright, like things that we're talking about and they would drift down to the ceilings and they would be talking about time and I could understand but I couldn't understand I was like three right and I say mom mom the white people are here again and she'd say oh don't worry about it don't go away they didn't go away so on and off in my life I would have times where I would be frightened or in need or lonely and one of these beings would just appear by my bed or appear in my world and then in 2005, I was in um, the Palm Springs area and I was walking in another site that had these Neolithic walls out there. So I was in another power place and I was hanging out in this power place. And I came home one day and um, I had watched something on television about extraterrestrial life. So when I'm in a power place, it's my belief that it primes you to be even more a better sender of messages and uh, spirit hears you better it sort of raises your consciousness in a way so i was watching a show about life beyond out in the universe and i just on a whim decided i would visualize our planet in the solar system our solar system in the galaxy you know all the way down i would go to the continent the town the roof my house and then i forgot about it and made a sandwich <laughs> and then later my television started doing weird things so i bent down this was back in the day where you had to fiddle with wires when your tv had like wires and it was 2005 mm -hmm. and um this sound this hum this boom this vibration was like filling the house and getting louder and louder and i went outside and i looked around and i couldn't see anything and yet it was outside it was in my garage and so coming in my garage i was kind of creeped out and i went down a long hallway that I had with a bunch of doors and I closed all the doors, bedroom, bathroom, bedroom, bathroom, 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 garage door. And I got into my bedroom and I suddenly became very, very tired. This hum was still going and I'm thinking, what is this hum? And I became very, very, almost like I had been sedated. And um, at that time I looked over and my dogs were starting to lose consciousness as well. So now I'm getting scared, but things are so 
um, thick, like the fluid that's around me or something is so thick I can't move. And I hear my doors opening in the garage, but they're slamming open like a roll off coming closer to my bedroom, which is at the end of the hall. So I hear bam, garage door, bam, 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 bam. And my bedroom door like flat flings open. And I'm stumbling in this like in and out state of consciousness. And I go to make an emergency call because I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm not even thinking how crazy I'm gonna sound. I'm just, my dogs are passed out on the floor. I'm losing consciousness. And I go to pick up my cell phone and I hear the operator say, I'm sorry, uh, we can't locate you or, you know, where are you calling? And I throw down that phone and I pick up the landline and I try to make the same call. And there's that same, you know, 911, you know, what's your emergency? Right. Sorry. And I throw that down and I'm like so out of it. And I look in the mirror and my eye has like a vice in it. Like something is holding my eye open and it's extremely painful. And then I lose consciousness. And I'm, I float through this like dark void. And then I wake up in this other world and this other world has, it's very Freemasonry. Um, it has the black and white floors of a chateau with the, you know, Moab and Joab pillars yeah, right. and steps going up. And there's like a door at the top and there's a mezzanine and it's very advanced. And yet it's very antique, very old. And I see a man riding by with a horse and he says, don't to his son. He says, don't look at her. She's not supposed to be here which is weird because I'm smelling, I'm feeling the grass under my feet. It's beautiful green hillsides. So I get um, into- Wait, now, wait, now, let me go back. So you're saying another man spoke to, addressed another person in this environment? Riding by on a horse. I mean, it's all, okay. very, all very dreamlike at that time, almost like screen imagery. Screen memory it's type stuff, yeah. The language of we're advanced and we're ancient. Right. Because me the black and white floor is consciousness in the game of consciousness and all these symbols these alchemical symbols and things are really my mind speaking the forbidden language so these are inter interdimensional beings we're talking mm -hmm. about so i go up the stairs and um, there's other people to greet me and say hey we haven't seen you in a long time you know and i have no idea who these people are i'm like uh, i go well your dogs are here so now I'm thinking whoever has created these screen images for me knows I will not go anywhere without my dogs. And my dogs run straight up those steps to that dark stone room. And of course I follow them. And when I walk in, lo and behold, there is a being inside that's eight feet tall, the black wraparound eyes, very lithe, alabaster, almost glowing from within because I'm in a pitch black room and I can see the heart beating the blood going through the veins of this beautiful alabaster skin that's softly glowing from within. And I'm not frightened. I mean, it's very strange. I'm not frightened. And this being then begins to speak about time. And I understand, but I don't understand. So I go back, I wake up in my own bed again after hours of this conversation where I just end up falling asleep, curling up on, on pillows or something in that stone room. But I return to my own bedroom and I wake up and my dogs are waking up. And I go to look at my eye and my, the rim of my eye is completely burned. And the side of my head has a burn about this size. And I also have a burn on the side of my leg. 
my right leg, my right temple, my left eye. My left eye was like swollen shut the next day. It was so bad. I lost her. So for me, again, the symbolism of this is I had to get more into my right brain to perceive the spiritual realm. That's, that's something that we could go into on another discussion, but just trust me, audience, that you see the right path through the right eye. It's your creative and, and your part of the brain hemisphere that allows you to perceive what is normally not perceived, perceived by you. So these beings did something where they messed up my, you know, and were telling me, we're shutting down your intellect. We're shutting down that side of your brain so you will perceive. This is just my own interpretation, but of course it was, it's personal. So this side of my brain, um, this side of my head, still to this day, since then, when I become less compassionate and less sensitive and less spiritual, these things will erupt. My eye will erupt and almost like it's um, autoimmune. When, when, you say, when you say erupt, what, what would happen? What does happen? It becomes open and raw and sore and red and swollen. And my eye will get the whole lid of my eye. I mean, I go to the eye doctor for it. And then if I get myself grounded, centered, balanced, spiritual again, they go away. So you can attribute that to natural processes of the body, suggestion, placebo. But at the moment that this experience happened to me, mm -hmm. I had a physical, um, a physical memory left on my body. I had the symbology of the forbidden language, which is an ancient um, way that all ancient cultures speak of how spirit speaks, how God speaks, how everything in nature will speak to you is through symbols. So your subconscious connects. But what about the idea of there being an implant, something less metaphysical and more scientific done? Do you, is well, that my skull is right here, unless it's behind my skull or something. I don't know. I never had a skull x-ray. I have had, you know, other x-rays of my spine and things like that, and there's nothing mm. there. Do you ever feel a, do you ever feel activated besides there being I have had some clicking like mm -hmm. almost like a tiny you know that before it before it erupts it's like a little clicking noise but I don't know if that's just tissue changing or what but mm -hmm. the minute I become more spiritual more visual and I go back to my studies and I and I put what's important on my journey first um everything just goes away when I'm going off the right path, when I step off of the right path, right, the right path, the reminder comes back. It's almost like I have this fail-safe thing to stay on the right path, the spiritual path of the mystic. So that, to me, was an initiation in a sense. Of course, I don't feel like I was um, preyed upon. I feel like I was asking for it. I've been asking for it my whole life. Yeah. So because I took my first step onto the right path, the burn on my leg never returned. Mm -hmm. So it's very symbolic. Everything that happened, spirit is a very funny thing. And when you look at ufology and all the different things, you'll find that it's interdimensional. And it, it's precognitive. It's part of us in a way. It needs us just like spirits, just like we need them to manifest. What, what do you think about um, the idea that maybe you're a targeted individual too, Alyssa? That, um, do you know what I mean by targeted individual? Someone who's gang-stalked? By, you mean the activism? The 
no, no, no. Well, no, by people, people think that maybe you're too close that, you know, the initiations you're discussing are the things you're discovering by, you know, the archeological things mm -hmm. that you're writing about. Yeah. There's a you know, conspiracy that people um, are targeted by the government. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that maybe people are listening to what you say with extra care and maybe trying to I think smear, smear your about, name? I think by talking about Bohemian Grove, um, that was also a factor. You know, my family belonging to Bohemian Grove, I was probably already, you know, the way that people are tracked today, um, it starts out by certain keywords that are picked up and yeah. I probably have quite a few of them. And yeah, I think that yes, yes on all fronts. I think on all planes of existence, um, something was worked to keep that book from getting published. It's still not published. I will publish it. I will change my name as many times as, as I have to. I'll move as many times as I have to. I have nothing, you know, nothing left in my way. I have no fear anymore. <laughs> well, they haven't made they haven't made the ultimate. I mean, if this is what's happening, uh, if someone doesn't want you to write this book because you're getting too close to the source, um, they haven't made the ultimate threat. I mean, they haven't done. Well, there's too many me's. There are too many people that are far more, you know, ahead on the path than I am. But, you right. Know. Yeah. It's not like you're writing something that hasn't been written in the chariots of gods, you know, as what, what could be so potent. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my perspective or on, um, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But, but it was weird the way um, that attack came on. I mean, my name was dropped into so many weird groups like I have never gone to a pornographic site in my life and my name is dropped into like five of them all in one day I'm the last person then I would get emails saying um hey we have we showed that you were on this pornographic site sent twenty thousand dollars to Bob or whatever and I'm thinking I'm the last person you want to pull that one on I've never been to a site like that in my life <laughs> I mean, they, they at some point they just drop your name into a million things to right, 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 and they're not even related. They don't even really know about each other at that point. What about any blackmail stuff that's come your way? Uh, that that that, that was, oh, yeah. that was that was blackmail. To, yeah, oh, got you. Threatening like, don't let your dogs out at night. Um, you know, you better keep an eye out. So that's like really scary stuff, but um. After you live with it for a while, Toby, it's no longer scary. You you face that and mm -hmm. you face the options in the dark recesses of your mind and then you just let go of it. There's there's not a lot left to fear. It's like, okay. okay. Since we've got about, oh, I don't know, how long can anybody, is, are you guys going for another 35, 40 minutes? Yeah. Miranda? Yeah, I'm fine. Let me ask you, Miranda, if you if you want to answer this, you can. Um, you know, back in December, uh, New York Times published a story uh, regarding, you know, the $22 million that was funneled uh, out to Skinwalker Ranch, we're finding, through uh, Robert Bigelow and the NIDS Corporation. Um, now they've kind of come out with a bit of disclosure um, in regards to talking about you know, they're not using the word UFOs, but they're, they're talking about UFOs. Um, one of the concerns is uh, what their motives would be 
A with coming out with this now of all times? What is it, you know, underneath the present president, this regime that would uh, be so aptly timed to talk about disclosure? It's not like Donald Trump um, is the best spokesman for the human race, let alone the galactic <laughs> race. <laughs> So uh, what do, do you have any thoughts on that, Miranda? Why disclosure now? And can we trust it? You know, I don't know. I think it's just getting too um, big for them to keep undercover. I mean, it's getting more and more, I think I see anyways, that people are starting to accept that they exist more and more. So it's either they can either disclose it under their own terms or people can figure out in their own way and then they don't have any control over it that way. Yeah. How, okay. how do you disclose inter, interdimensional, you know, beings? Wait, say that again. Your dog was barking. How do you disclose interdimensional beings? You know, how do you disclose that these things are possibly the materia, you know, pr prima materia? How, how do you disclose they're half physical and half spiritual? How do you disclose that to an entire world? I mean, we all know that pretty yeah. much. That it's part, I can it's I kind of believe that they've been um interacting with them. And so that's the disclosure is the interaction that they've had with them that um you know with their 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 technology and any autopsies they've done on them and that sort of thing. Uh, Ira, are you saying that, um, are you speaking as a hypothetical right now, saying that, in fact, they are disclosing it, uh, kind of like the frog in the boiling water, just slowly turning up the heat, getting to that point, knowing full well that, A, there was maybe no. some, some agreement that came about in the 1940s, and now it's time? I, no. And, you know, I watched... Um, all of the disclosure uh, shows where the you know actual witnesses are talking about yeah I did surgery on an alien and mm -hmm. I, you know it's fascinating but to me my experience has been that it's interdimensional and um, if it manifests it doesn't manifest for long. But and see I now this this is kind of what Louise Elizondo is getting at. I don't know if you've watched his interviews at all, but in his press conferences that he does for. Um, Oh gosh, what's the name of the lead singer's name from Blink One Eighty Two? Miranda that uh, started this. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Anyway, um, Luis Elizondo is the Pentagon official that's speaking on behalf of these aerial threats that the Pentagon has been looking at over the last twenty years, and he he's talking like you are, but in a way that is making more of a. He's hoping that people are reading between the lines because he can't exactly say what you're saying right now, that these things are interdimensional. And again, they're, they're very, well, very well may be a race that travels at the speed of light for 400 years and comes here in physical form. I mean, it might be many different things happening. It can never just be one thing like all aliens are this mm -hmm. and all spirits are that, all wolfmen are this. It seems to be the way it, the way it works. There's just so many variations on things. Like when you say um, a human is this, there's like seven billion variations on the human. 
you know, with personality and what habits they have and where they live and what language they speak. And I just look at nature and I look at the spiritual ecosystem and it's like in the spiritual ecosystem, you have like uh, insect type spirits and animal type spirits and highly evolved masters and angelic type spirits. And then you have destructive spirits and evil spirits and all, all the things. It's just a huge, it's like nature only it's invisible, but it's the same kind of ecosystem and the same different levels of consciousnesses. So now insert something like you're experiencing with UFO phenomena mm. or Skinwalker Ranch. <clears throat> I mean, you're looking at a million different things. Are you talking about the little fluttery shadow that goes across the room? And are you going to compare that to the actual light ship that flies over your house? But yet people seem to put them all into the same basket. It's very difficult. Well, you know, these, these ideas or these laws or these properties, these rules that, um, principles. these principles that things have to abide by, um, there seems to be this great um, variety, as, you know, when it pertains to the paranormal. But is that a giant shell game? Is it all the same thing, but yet they're giving you all these excuses of who, where, what, and why? Um, no, I think we're observing the flora and fauna of other... You do? Other, yes. I think we're observing different variations of it. But also, I think that... If but what if you're wrong? If a, I could be. Or I, mean, I also think that a government can throw, you know, the red... But how does that change your perspective if you're wrong about that? If, if it's not this vast flora and fauna, if it's a shell game and there's something, you know, more nefarious in place... Um, how, how does that change your perspective as far as like buying, you know, your own insurance policy? It wouldn't. I, I think that I've had it coming from two different, too many different directions of how I've come to my own discernment, my own conclusion. Mm -hmm. I've come to it through too many different directions. I mean, UFO phenomena for me is like probably one of the tiniest realms of focus for me. Right in the spiritual studies that I have. And I see the world from a hermetic um, perspective in that it is a mind over matter universe. So in saying that, many paths open to me of, of explaining all these things. It's sort of like with physics, when you have those equations that don't quite fit because there's one thing that doesn't fit. But when I go back to it's a mind over matter universe that all is conscious and all is spirit, then everything seems to make sense. So I, if there's a shell game going on, that's a human thing or a government thing or mm -hmm. some other type of, you know, right. I'm, sure, I'm sure spirits can do it too. So what do, you, what do you think the goal is of um, just the alien experience in, itself? Uh, you know, if it's, do you think that there's this, I mean, the idea that we are beings with a soul are these beings with a soul, are they interested in, you know, in the idea that they are soulless? Do you feel like there's something that has to do with the nature of who we are at our core at the soul? Um, I think that everything has a soul. <laughs> I think we all have different levels of consciousness, but we all have a divine spark, any living creature, but we have different levels of consciousness. 
So how can we understand a other life form that perhaps does come from another planet, but they journey here in spirit, they journey out of body to us, and then they have such skill that they're able to manifest themselves to us. How, how do we, it's like a fish um, trying to understand who we are or that we even exist right. outside of the thing. or Outside of its aquarium, yeah. We may never understand this phenomenon that you see at Skinwalker or Severed Hand for that matter or in our lives, you know, the things that we are also sensitive to that those of us that do perceive them, I think we come to a point at some place what about this idea of gamesmanship? You know, at Skinwalker Ranch, it's similar to what happened over the last 90 days in Cottage Grove for Daryl Adams and I. There was this idea of gamesmanship where they enjoyed uh, uh, not only being talked about, but they also enjoyed um, our, our zest and zeal at their surprises. There was this real... They they okay. really wanted to endear themselves in the fact that they can do whatever they want when they want to. And the more surprised we were, it seemed like the more activity would develop. So there's the idea of, I mean, there's a tremendous sense of humor and um, that can be no better explained than in the fact that they gave me a snake when I said I was terrified of snakes. Mm -hmm. There may be zero method to their madness because if you think well what would you do if you were able to become invisible and hang out around a campsite of Aaron and I and Miranda mm -hmm. you know and you didn't know us and yet here we are you're perceiving us we're not perceiving you and we're leaving things out and making whoops and noises and you would be just as mischievous I mean there are so many different levels of personality and consciousness and mm -hmm. where you are on the path of the sage or the mystic and you know, if you if you call in, you know, the highest elevated Christ consciousness spirits there are, you're not going to have that stuff going on. <laughs> but if you just go out and interact with the spiritual world, it's like a box of chocolates. You just never know what you're going to get. And I think that Bigfoot um, or these beings that you guys are forced beings that you're interacting with, you know, it's like another species of the spiritual world ecosystem. I'm, they have a purpose. They have a reason for being. I mean, I've heard stories as crazy as they're here collecting flora and fauna for the aliens and their, you know, body suits with the spirits into them. I mean, anything goes. Anything's possible in my universe, mind over matter universe. Right. And, and shaman, um, core shamanism has taught me studying all the different cultures and all the different methodologies that, um, yeah, people merge with spirits, and yeah, people can imbue objects with spirits, and yeah, you know, all these things are going on that we see happening in the Bigfoot community, even. Hmm. Miranda, you have anything to add? I have a question. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about, like, in more ancient times, did mankind have maybe more of a natural interaction with these things? And yeah. it was more of a, you know, we could understand them better. And we've kind of moved away from that. Yes. I, I don't know whether it was our environment that's changed where we're not in a constant altered state 
or or if that realm was so enmeshed and overlapped onto ours that we were perceiving these prima materia beings, half spirit, half physical. We were perceiving them like we're perceiving um, the chair in the corner. Uh, and we knew them and we loved them and we interacted with them. And then one day something changed. Either we changed or the world, the environment changed. I don't know if it was passing through a certain point in space where the frequency changed or the yuga cycle hit or, or what happened. But I think at one time, based on the petroglyphs that I've looked at thousands of petroglyphs all over the place. And they all speak of a time when this was like just regular stuff. Like these crazy looking things were everywhere. And that's what you get when you alter and, go and swim into the spiritual world. You get all these crazy looking things. So I think we did perceive them. Either that or we were so traumatized at one point, we, we our brains split. You know, there's a, Julian James talks about, you know, the God voice that was once always in our heads and we thought it was a God speaking to us. And then that became silent. And just to explain to Miranda, you know, she lives um, right around all these glyphs, Miranda, just right outside her back door. I don't know if we, when we had you on last time, you were down in, uh, in your house, but the idea was that you're going to be outside amongst your backyard, which is... You're, are you within walking distance of a site like uh, you're talking about? Yeah, I don't get out enough, but um, <laughs> I also study them, you know, online university type thing. So I've looked at petroglyphs from all over the world mm -hmm. and compared them. And you see similar petroglyphs to what you see in Egypt symbolically. Of course, they don't look Egyptian in the style and tone, but they're holding objects that are absolutely the same symbolism from Egypt you know the four-pronged rod one two three four you see it um, in native uh, petroglyphs in North America you see it in Egypt you see it in South America you know what is this thing but everybody's got one and you know I have to think it has to do with the symbolism for everything is vibration you know the vibrations are important you're familiar with Brian Forrester too, right? I am. Yeah, I remember him before he was Brian Forrester. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we um, used to interact online uh, before he was Brian Forrester. Okay. So you know, I've I've watched his uh, show because he uh, went on an expedition with Ron Moorhead uh, to Machu Picchu, and um, he's a brilliant man. He's a brilliant man, but you know, he's tempted constantly, not only by um, the lack of care to some of the archeological finds, the historical megalithic finds that he finds, you know, that he, especially the elongated head, uh, which if you don't know, Miranda is the elongated uh, skulls in uh, South America mainly are these, you know, incredible non-cradle boarded, um, you know, red-headed giants that mm -hmm. seem to be responsible or at least revered in South America. But my question to you is, as someone who's looked over these beautiful sites, um, this temptation to not take something for the sake of preserving it, because, you know, I, the earth eventually is going to reclaim us all. But yet when you see things like Brian shows in his videos in South America, 
and the tragedy of, you know, the stuff just getting lost in time. What do you say about someone like me who's tempted, if I ever found something historically beautiful at a sacred site, um, I might just leave a head of hair and take what I find. Do you, <laughs> you, you recommend that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's making a joke because I always say, if you take something, leave something. If you want yeah. something, don't right. pick it. You're going to pick up a stone or, or whatever. Right. So how do you feel about that? And have you done it? <laughs> Are you guilty? Me? No. Absolutely not guilty. Okay. Uh-uh. Never. Not even a crystal shard or a broad uh, sword no, or an arrowhead or a... Arrowheads were thrown away. Um, but I have taken stones, certain stones, um, that were left out, like things that were thrown into my path that I knew weren't there. Like I've had deer legs thrown into my path that were like perfectly dried, like a little mm. wand or something. And I've had stones left, um, just left in my path, like you all have. And when they're left like that, it's something is saying, Hey, here, this is, this is meant for you. And I've used them in my practices. Uh, for cord cutting and mm -hmm. unraveling and all, all kinds. Of, I mean, they're just very symbolic and they had a purpose. Let me see if I can get a, it's not an object so much as it is uh, another stone of some kind, but um, <laughs> you have a little bag. I'll get it out. This is the little gifting bag here, yeah, but um, <laughs> you know, Francis and Mike Grumbly, um, Miranda, they show up uh, periodically and sit behind you. Yeah. I know that Mike um, was a gold miner. I think he still gold, gold pans with the Bohemia Historical Society, but this is a, um, a stone that was left by one of the tape recorders out at Daryl's property there. Can you see that at all, Alyssa? Yeah, that's beautiful. What is that? Well, we don't quite know. We know that when Mike took a look at it, he was really curious about what was inside of it right about is it amber? There. can you see that gold flecking in the middle of it here yeah a little bit yeah so um we think this might be dried amber with gold inside of it um but what's so curious be, about be, it is deliberate this the shape of the finger yeah um it has a real finger quality to it like a fingernail it does huh. doesn't it yeah but you know, these are the kind of things that, of course, you find when you, when you're messing around with this stuff here. But the temptation the, the finger, to the finger symbolism is important because the finger is, you know, what you use to shoot that blue fire in the mythology. And shoot the blue fire. Yeah, the blue fire energy. Well, say tell talk to me like I'm a kindergartner right now. What are you talking about? When you're doing um, energy work or healing work, um, you can direct your energy by simply pointing your finger and then bringing the energy through you and out. So you do, you have far more better control. It's pretty simple. Is that why you're not supposed to point at people? It probably is. Is that the history of it? It, it yeah. absolutely probably is. It always has some ridiculous, you know, very simple and clean, mm. you know, root origin to it. But I find a lot of stones that look like fingers. Oh, you do. Yeah, and I use them. Yeah. If 
like geomancy or dowsing. You know, you're directing energy when you're moving streams of underground water or you're um, yeah. energy in a direction to, to move other energy or the magnetics. I mean, again, again, turn off the science channel, people, because... <laughs> before, um, before I moved out to that property there, I'll just do a little show and tell. Miranda, you can get out your show and tell stuff. We've come to the show and tell <laughs> portion of Strange Bro. <laughs> um, there was a man that went missing in an area near the French Pete Wilderness. And in fact, right when I met you, Alyssa, we found um, a set of bones and it was snared to the side of a tree. And we were... You had me do something with that. You said, do you have any feelings about this? Yeah. Arrow or... I don't remember now. Right. Well, one of, the th one of the things we were trying to figure out is what these bones belong to. Um, but I'll get back to that in a second here. The main reason I was up there, though, is that there was a guy that went missing near an area of the wilderness called the French Pete Wilderness, a highly unusual uh, area that would fit inside the, you know, the missing 411 cases. In fact, eight years before this guy went missing, uh, James Dutton was a 30-year-old guy that um, went on a day hike. He um, left a note on the whiteboard in his apartment that he'd be back in a couple of days later. He had some bills to pay. He was a Coast Guard reservist. And it was, I believe, a middle of September. And um, he was going to actually go on a two or three day camp out, not a day hike. So he didn't sign into the logbook. And he hiked into an area where a physicist, uh, Professor Zing Zhu, from the University of Oregon went missing eight years or seven years prior. And all they found of his um, in the same area was his briefcase and the French Pete drainage area. Um, so I was, I was in that area there and um, I was told to go to a specific part because a buddy of mine, um, had ended up finding this Jake Dutton's body. Jake had hiked in six or seven miles into a hidden remote campground, and all that was left of his remains after three years of you know the snow melting and the the summer coming and the snow laying on his bones was his rib cage and a skull cap and his tennis shoes, which the tennis shoes were still tied. And his feet were outside of the tennis shoes and they were placed kind of left foot, right foot, which I'd seen before as well in another area about 40 miles away. We were gifted a pair of tennis shoes. But um, I found out that a buddy of mine had actually found this body of his. So he gave me some really sloppy directions. We headed up that way. And um, I was, I thought maybe we had found the location because we had seen. Uh, what looked like an old fire pit that had been dispersed. And you could tell there was an old uh, fire, you know, in this area among the ferns. And then these boulders we would find intermittently tossed about 50 yards away. So it was just a cleared out charred area with these boulders surrounding it. Well, right below the cedar tree um, was this old compass. And it was just sitting there all by itself underneath the cedar tree. So I thought, my gosh, this is probably this Jake Dutton's um, 
old compass and they're, they wanted to go back to the family. Um, but it, it, it was not. What's, what's interesting about it is it actually is the compass of the guy that found the body and we weren't even at the site. We were about three miles away from the actual site where the where the body was found. Hold on. So th this actually belongs to the guy that found the body. It's his grandfather's old compass. It was about three miles away from the site. And so this was laid out basically in a very random spot. I ended up finding it and giving it back to the researcher. No kidding, you've got the same model? This was given to me by Kirk, who I think found it when he was out bigfooting. I think. Can you open it up? Um, I also was given a toy compass one day when I was out with Dustin Neff, and we were measuring stuff out in the severed hand site. And I said, wow. "Hey, I said, hey, I need a compass. I can't." <laughs> I said, "Hey, I need a compass." And I got home, and oh. there was a toy compass left on my doorstep. Yeah, and yours still works. Does it? Yeah, it looks like it does. I tell Kirk he's my north now when I have this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, this is... Um, Kirk I is think... a, another guest, Miranda. Yeah, he's another experiencer. And he's a... Oh, yeah. Miranda, do you remember Kirk's... Uh, well, he was in person there. Were you there when he gave his lecture or his presentation? Yeah, he has a giant yeah. brain. He has I a think... giant brain. I think so. Yeah. Isn't he the one that um, was Bigfoot hunting? Right, and he ran into the men in plaid. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of this phenomenon all about, not not the men in plaid, but the plaid man? I have. Kirk and I have had long hours and hours of conversations about it. I have. Okay. I've never seen a plaid person, but I have seen one of the beings that I discussed with you earlier wearing mm -hmm. a tartan. Oh, a tartan. Yeah. That yeah. was plaid. Um, but other than that, I haven't seen men in black following me or mm -hmm. uh, any human like plaid people or anything like that. Yeah. Well, Kirk was brave enough to put up his um yeah, his regression and we we put that up on the, on the YouTube and uh, there it remains. But, you know, as far as bravery is concerned, that was a pretty brave thing for anybody to do. I, you know, coming at some, back, point, at some you know, point, we all have to come out because we are who we are. And I love my life. And yeah. I, I feel like I want to share the stories with other people who are maybe struggling with real and unreal. Yeah. So what do you suggest people do that um, are afraid to talk about this? and be so bold as, as both of you are right now. Well, change We're, your name and go on podcast. <laughs> right, okay. Change your name as many times as you need to and talk about it, enjoy yourself, live your life, and, and keep sidestepping the, the stuff. It's not worth fighting over or feeling embarrassed or avoiding. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't want to ruin your um, job, especially if you're working for the government or something important. <laughs> right or, or teaching young children but um yeah i mean i i think some people have certain types of jobs that they don't want to do something like this unless it's a very um proper way to present it but um the rest of us i, I don't see why we would 
want to keep quiet about it. I mean, it's like a big part of life and everybody has at least one of these experiences. And if they tell you they're not, they're lying. <laughs> they just do. It's a human part of us. I mean, there are a lot of people that don't see as much as we do, but they have seen something. And if you really mm. dig and talk to them, they'll come mm. out and say, I mean, for a long time, nobody was discussing orbs around Bigfoot. Right? I was, but yeah, most of them weren't. But then suddenly everybody felt comfortable. We hit critical mass and, and everybody was able to get it out there. And now we're starting to realize, oh, well, maybe this is a mythical, you know, archetypal, spiritual, interdimensional, you know, take your pick mm. or all of the above. Well, it's telling too, as far as being able to talk about it. I've noticed that women in general are able to talk about this um, a lot more than the fellas are. And I think it's just the wiring part. But what do you have to say to the to to men that don't want to talk about this? Because I think, uh, you know, it's a it's a hit to their ego to to come out. I love men. Um, they could say anything and I would still love them. <laughs> it's the other men they're worried about, not you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda, what do you have to say? Once they all start talking there and, and they see men like you, Toby, I mean, you're very comfortable in your own skin. You're not threatened by anything. And that's really beautiful. And other men are starting to become more comfortable in, in that way too. You're a good example. Yeah, I agree. I think their peers talking about it has a lot to do with it. Once their peers start talking about mm -hmm. it, then they're more willing to open up as well. Miranda, if, do we think we give them a, is there a, a strange brow? transparent enough and natural enough and you know do we offer the right environment for people to you know not only come to our live event but you know i always want to make sure that it was kind of a no bullshit place and that there was no pretentiousness going on or any kind of pretending or errors is that do we need to work a little bit harder to to get that off the ground and offer that to people? No, that's one of the things I really love about it is that it's really non-judgmental. Okay. So you can get, you know, anything that's been said, it seems like nobody judges anything. Mm -hmm. They just take it for what it is. And, and also we have to remember that I have very good friends that <clears throat> are very science minded. They respect science. I respect science. And, um, if you're going to include them in the conversation, it's a different conversation. I, I would be having a different conversation right now. So when you're around people that are all comfortable and there is a line, there isn't a line drawn in the sand that this is science and this is spirituality or the mystics path, um, it makes it easier. When I'm discussing things with somebody who's really coming from a Newtonian scientific, you know, if there's no evidence, I don't want to hear about it. Um, then that's the conversation we have. Right. Well, it's really the the kind of evidence that you present them that they have a problem with, because it can be as physical as all get out. It can be knees made of plaster. It can be giant handprints yeah, that have been dusted professionally. Random. It can be, you know, it's the type of evidence that you it's not the fact that you don't have it. It's literally the fact that it doesn't fit into their worldview. Right. And also, I think you have to be like um, university 
There's just all kinds you, of other things. You have to have a pedigree. There's all kinds of other things that go into yeah. it. Because, because Newtonian science is made to only go so far, and they, they are totally open about that. So um, when it comes to things like these mythical, epic, spiritual, you know, inner psyche and altered states and fairies and elves and things like that, that is just not the realm of science yet. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to be clear and just, you know, for me, I have my own experiences. That's good enough for me. Mm. A good example is when you take a picture of an orb and you have a story that goes with it. Um, you were there, you were saying, I want to see a blue orb and you're telling the spirits and then you take a picture and it shows up right on your film. But it looks right. like a sun dog or it looks like a speck of dust on the film and everybody jumps all over it. It's just proof for you and that's good enough for you. You know, for everyone else, it's just a story and that's okay too. Right, because one of the things that this seems to be is a self-reflective you know, the paranormal is really a mirror of your best and worst qualities that show up there because a lot of this you can't prove to other people, but yet the experience. Um, and you get different realms. When you go out with a higher consciousness, mm -hmm. you will walk in, when you walk into the nature, um, call it the portal, call it whatever you want. But when you go out with a higher consciousness and you, you're going into nature, the things that happen will be of a higher consciousness. So you'll see the beings of light or you'll have an experience with the things like at ESETI. When you're at ESETI, everybody there is really trying to raise their consciousness to emotions of love and joy and, you know, throwing flowers and waving mm. little rainbow flags. And <laughs> that's why they get what they get. Yeah. If you go out thinking I'm going in to do battle with the dark forces of the forest and Bigfoot is scary, you're going to get the rah, you know, in the bushes and you're walking into a dimension or, or a realm or a vibration where these things exist. So there's all these layers, you know, if you look at the spiritual world and I know that, okay, I'm not a scientist. I don't have evidence for any of this. This is all intuitive. But it's not just my intuition. It's thousands of years of, of people who documented it in the text of how they intuited it and what their experience was. So this is just not me making it up off the top of my head. It's my experiences that validate what I have read in text and some of the experiences I had before I read the text in many different cultures. Well, I'm impressed with the fact that you want to speak about this so publicly and openly. Um, you know, it's it's always nice to have a voice like this in my life. Um, and, you know, as a speaker and as an author and as a friend, um, it's been a pleasure learning from you. I know Aaron has felt the same. I think anybody that listened to you talk uh, at the Axe and Fiddle or on YouTube feels the same. So, you know, a lot of this is a, a learning curve uh, for most of us, a, a big one for myself, but it is, a, it is a very personal experience along the way, and the way we describe it is really, you know, our own personal journey, but um, as far as being able to talk about this at, at greater lengths, what can people expect from you along 
you know, the future. And your book is coming out eventually. Do you have any projects that you want to talk about at all? Or you just put everything on hold? I, you know, I'm caring for my 90 year old mother right now. So um, my focus is and, and priorities are on her. So mm -hmm. she will finish well and have a conscious death. It may be this year, it may be 10 years from now. I don't know. She's 91, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still um, preparing to release my book. It it has to have um, some rewriting done. So it's not, so I do remove anything that alludes to native spirituality. Like I said, I don't want to put my finger in a wound. I don't need to. So I want to make sure I do that. And then it, it will be released um, with a different author's name and a different title. I don't care if I <clears throat> built some level of presence with one name and then nobody knows me with this name. It doesn't really matter. All that matters is I get the material out. So um, I'll be releasing the book at some time. I'll probably talk about it on Facebook. And if I have a new name, I'll, I'll tell everyone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I just go, you know, with the flow and, and dodge the bullets. Yeah. Stopping and, you know, engaging in warfare. It's easier for me to just keep slipping through. Yeah. Miranda, what are you doing this weekend? What's your, what are your big plans and what do you got planned for uh, the holidays? And do you want to go UFO hunting with, uh, with the group of, you know, there's a group of us that go up to an area up um, above the Adams property and we have uh, tremendous success with, uh, you know, night night watches is that something you'd be interested in doing that sounds like fun okay it's all <laughs> it's all very <laughs> it's all very accessible too you can drive right into the location and uh bring one of those zero gravity chairs that always seems oh to help God. out so you don't have to strain your back yeah but um that's actually what i'm on my way to do tonight i'm gonna go on a solo night hike out near the mm -hmm. adams property and bring my zero gravity chair and uh a couple beers and yeah sit out that's, in the swamp that's lovely. <laughs> yeah i used to sit on my roof when i lived near shasta shasta is very much like mount adams and isari mm -hmm. same phenomena there and we would sit on the roof um dustin and i and we'd watch all the light beings flying around in the sky there i think they're they're attracted to the magnetic perimeter of volcanic sites well, they, yeah, and no, there's a, happen in the electromagnetic frequency. So. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was just uh, at a Halloween event and the parking lot attendant uh, uh, and I got to talking while my son was in the corn maze and he was telling me uh, a UFO story uh, from, oh, I believe it was Mexico City. And there's a, um, yes a pretty well-known volcanic site down there where him and his grandmother would watch UFOs come in and out of the side of the, the hill there. Yeah. I think it's interdimensional. I don't think there's an actual door in Mount Adams. Like people were, I think Jimmy Church was thinking that. Right. Like a hangar door. Yeah. I don't think they need hangar doors. <laughs> <laughs> or there would have been one in my house. <laughs> Again, that was Miranda Gurkey and Ira Wolfnosen. Wolfnosen and Gurky. It sounds like a lawyer team I want representing me. <laughs> okay, I've said enough. But before I go, I do have to tell you we are headed out the door to the third international 
Primal People Convention in Enumclaw, Washington. Also, if you go to the Owl Moon Lab Facebook page, there is now an audio archive listed through SoundCloud. Just type in Owl Moon Facebook page. Also, we're doing a live feed from there on the 23rd, Monday, I'm sorry, Tuesday, the 23rd of April. We're going from 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to do a live overnight feed of the property and the pass-off that I am doing right now with the neighbor, Rin, giving him the lowdown and the scoop. So if you want to do that, go to the Al Moon Lab Facebook page and look at the event page for that on the 23rd. Remember, if you would like to be a guest, you can do that at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. Any subject that you would like to discuss that seems to fit in here, give me an email. I will answer it. We will correspond. It'll be great. Maybe we could go hide Easter eggs together. Happy Easter. That's a segue. This is an outro. We will see you in the trees. <laughs>